Welcome to the I Am A Woman podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Strickland, and I have Pamela Garfield Yeager back on the show. She is the truthful therapist, and she is sticking her neck out, speaking up for the rights of the vulnerable, using her voice on social media and in many, many different platforms. Um, I am super honored to have her on the show because... You know, just for me as a woman in ministry, I'm looking at the situation of what's happening with the girls determining that I think you said, Pamela, that half of your clients are during one period of time, the girls were coming in and calling themselves transgender. We've seen this huge wave of gender dysphoria come over our nation. And I asked Pamela to be on the show today because I want to make sure that we understand what is gender affirming care and how does that trajectory work? So Pamela, welcome to the show. Hello. (laughs) Thank you. So glad to have you on. Okay, gender affirming care. Give us the breakdown. How does it work? Yeah, well, gender affirming care sounds really nice. And that's why it's so deceiving. Right. So what is what is gender affirming care? I mean, in the beginning, you might not notice that it's really a problem because it's really about where it leads. But even in the beginning, it can be a problem because it starts somebody to no longer live in reality and to kind of reject who they are in themselves and also sure. to a- avoid issues and problems that they're having. So simply by, so gender affirming care usually starts with telling, calling somebody by a new name. If they're, or have a girl named you giving them a boy name and then referring to them when you're usually when they're not in the room. So it doesn't even affect them that much, but you refer to them as like he, him instead of she. So you know, just treating that person as if they are a boy, even though they are a girl, which honestly, if I wasn't so deep down this rabbit hole, I wouldn't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, what's the big deal? So they cut their hair. So they wear a different kind of shirt and um, they have a new name, whatever. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) No big deal. So I think a lot of people are like, why is this such a big deal? Especially on what they call social transition, which is just transitioning how they are in the social realm. Okay. It is a big deal. There's a lot of reasons it's a big deal. Um, we're talking about talking about young people, especially their sense of self is already figuring they're trying to figure out who they are and and whatnot. And so when you're now treating them as something they're not, that's right there. That's can be psychologically damaging. It's not easy to just hold on. Hold on one second. I'm not meaning to interrupt you, but I want my listeners to hear that point. Yeah. You begin treating someone as if they are someone that they're not. It can be psychologically damaging. This is what uh, Jordan Peterson said about the pronouns. It's like, it's you know, big deal about the pronouns until they made it illegal in Canada to use, you know, different pronouns. He was like, I knew that that was going to cause a wave of gender dysphoria. 
In other words, it's going to cause more confusion about who that child is and what their gender is, what their body, their developing body is. So go on. But I want to make that point to my listeners that it's not necessarily about pronouns. It's actually about the psychological damage of agreeing with a lie when you're speaking to a child. You're telling, you're agreeing that they are someone that they are not. You are female and we're going to pretend you're a boy or you're, we're going to pretend like you're neither male nor female or some other gender. Okay, go on. Yeah. So I think this has a lot to do with kind of how people theoretically look at this. So there's different ways to look at it. And I think the people that believe in gender ideology believe that this is an innate characteristic. I don't know how they really believe it given this explosion, but somehow they do. And so they they believe that this is just something that's just inside the person. They were just born in the wrong body. They have some like gender brain or something. And you just need to go along with that. Um, but my perspective and Jordan Peterson's perspective is that when a young person is saying they want to be of a different gender, there is usually, I'd say, pretty much always something else going on with that young person. Right. And that needs to be explored. So right. it's usually a cry for help in some shape or form and not a cry for you to just go along with what they're saying and asking for, but to look a little deeper, look a little past the surface. Sure. So, so basically, at this point, our argument, your argument is that by affirming this, number one, it can cause more confusion and psychological damage because they don't they start to the adults around them are telling them that they are someone that they're not. And then the second thing is you can ignore the underlying issues. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. So, I mean, usually when a kid, I mean, before this really was a thing, when a kid had a problem and you were saying earlier and the other episode, when they're having an eating disorder, there's usually other things like they want control that there is, there are, is a lot of overlap because when a kid takes on a transgender identity, often it is also about control. It's about controlling kind of the speech and people around them. They feel out of control and they're looking for people to notice them and they're looking to be seen in a certain way. That That's one way they can do it. So mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of overlap. Of course, there's a lot of different elements to it in terms of someone's uh, bad relationship with their body and all those different things that overlap also. Um, Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about because the issue of body image, this isn't this is a body image issue. This is a I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see issue. And sometimes it is not always. Yeah, it depends. Right. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Okay. sometimes it's that or sometimes it's I need attention or affirmation. I want to be seen Mm -hmm. um, or I want to control the way that other people talk about me. That's interesting too. A lot of people, I I noticed the trend among the kids that identify as transgender tend to feel very invisible for one reason or another. Mm. Um, A lot of, you probably know this, a lot of kids who are autistic tend to gravitate towards this. Right. And that's that's for a number of reasons. Um, One, I think it's how their brain processes things. And they tend to focus on one thing. They tend to kind of have that obsessive type thinking. They also tend to be more online and respond to things online, you know, if they're on video games. And 
they, you know, might, it might be easier for them to kind of feel disembodied and connect with an avatar as opposed to the body that they're actually born in. Um, But another reason is also just the, the social implications. So if someone really struggles socially, then they're more, it's easier for them to fall prey to this because There are tons of groups out there and messages and slogans that say, pretend trans kids, you're enough. I'm your mom now. This is your safe place. This, All these slogans and all of these phrases that feel good to somebody that feels isolated or feels like they've never fit in or they feel like they, right. there's something wrong with them for whatever reason. And then right. this becomes like a fix, like a, a, a magic pill. Uh, something to say, well, this is the reason I don't get along with boys or girls. It's because I'm transgender, of course. And so that's how they're easy to fall. It's easy for them to fall prey to this line of thinking. Sure, sure. And because of especially the deep need for affirmation and acceptance and being seen and known and loved, all of those desires then are promised to be fulfilled by this group. And then it, it it is in a way, at least in the short term, it is. I mean, it's reinforced every day. It, Look at, it's reinforced every day, right? <laughs> how many days of visibility do we need? I mean, it's insane. And you look at yes. all the celebrities, and you look at all the covers, and all the different women of the year who are really men. And I mean, there's so many examples where it it's teaching kids that this is the way to be seen. I mean, a lot of us are mad about that guy Dylan who's gotten a lot of uh, marketing ads but it's teaching children oh look you you can get you can become a big influencer and get tons of followers if if you act like the other gender and this this message is being reinforced all over the place right right and so the brain gets the reward right you get the is it endo- endorphins basically from that approval yeah, what do they say? It's like dopamine hits when like you get dopamine. more likes. Yeah. yeah. Dopamine yeah. hits. Yeah, you're getting dopamine hits. Very similar to anorexia. Yeah. The more the skinnier I got, the more dopamine hits I got. Yeah, Until I was not too skinny. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so then I was receiving rejection. And this very similar. Um, or I'm gonna join this church, I'm gonna join this group whatever it is, they're going to give me an identity. They're going to love me. And, and so all of your, um, all of your worth ends up in this particular group of people until you question the narrative. Then what's, then what happens, Pamela, when someone wakes up one day and goes, I'm not trans. I was just growing up. Right. I was just confused. I was never a boy. I was always a girl. I was just a tomboy. And yeah, this was all a lie. What happens when they say that? Well, it's really not easy for people to do that, for one. So I think people hang on to the transgender identity longer than they might otherwise, either because they're lying to themselves or they're really afraid of the social implications. Mm-hmm. Because what does happen? They get rejected. They get thrown out like a piece of garbage. They right. Even if they're not even fully saying I'm not transgender, they just maybe don't go along with something that's in the community. They don't use a certain term or they don't want to wear their hair a certain way or something like that. Like whatever the trend of the day is, then they get rejected very easily. There's There are very strict rules. And right. so, yeah, they get rejected. Yeah, this is this is indicative of a cult and people don't want to hear it, but it's 
it, it's true because again, Lipton's criteria for mind control and thought reform as used in China included this very tactic, dispensation of existence. If you question the status quo, they will dispense of you. And so unfortunately for these kids is they believe that they're going to find this belonging, but then if they begin to see things or the their eyes get open to maybe what is unhealthy, in that group um, and they question it or they don't follow the party line or use the correct terms. They misgender and all of this stuff. They call they call it all these new terms. Um, yeah, that's 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 an and then they get rejected completely. That's that's thought reform and mind control. OK, so let, let's go forward. So they they join they join the group. They find a new identity, whatever, whatever they want to call it. They're taught that this is a fixed identity, even though gender is fluid. And yeah, it's very confusing. I still don't understand, but it's okay. very inconsistent. Yeah. yeah, they're saying gender is fluid. It's always changing. It can change from day to day, but you were born from it, but it can change from day to day. So anything right. confusing like that, we know. The second not- you question it, like it doesn't, it falls like the. As soon as you question it, it falls apart. Right. Okay. So, but at that point, that young person loves these people and finds a sense of belonging in this group, whether it's on Instagram or at school or whatever, um, in their friend group. And then what, what comes next when it comes to the therapy model of what doctors and therapists are mandated to do what hormones is it gender blockers what comes next well there's um the hormone blockers they use or the puberty blockers they use that for younger prepubescent children okay and that is used to what they like to say is just simply put a pause on puberty like it's no big deal and then the child can just decide later what they want to be and we can just basically play God with our bodies is really what, how I see it. And I'm not even that religious to be honest, but it's, it's really incredible how people don't question putting a pause on puberty and how that can be really damaging to the body. Um, Both the, you know, in the sexual way, like terms of sexual function and the sexual traits, but also just in general, like their heart, lung, bone development, all those things are important during puberty. And, those things are impacted with these puberty blockers, which by the way, are also the same drug they use to chemically castrate sex offenders. Just a little side note there. And they're giving them to children off label, but you know, it's just a pause, no big deal. (laughs) Right, right. So if they give puberty blockers to a developing boy child, what's going to happen to him? He's going to be chemically castrated? Um, Most likely he will become sexually dysfunctional he will end up with a micro penis he will probably depending on what age and how long he takes them he will probably never learn what it's like to have an orgasm and then there has been an fda warning in children that it creates brain swelling in both boys and girls okay. which ca- can cause blindness and vision issues that's that you can look that up there's an fda warning so they have put out that warning and then the other thing that they have found in other countries, such as Sweden, is that the young people's uh, spines are not fusing properly. So 
they're finding some of the teenagers after a few years of being on puberty blockers that they end up kind of with these hunched backs, like old ladies, old men. So the bone development becomes impacted. And then there's just so much we honestly just don't know. I mean, and this that. is legal. This is legal to to give children these drugs in the United States. Yes. In it's the not name just of legal, it's promoted and, and it's 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 sold as loving and life-saving. That's what's wild about it all. <laughs> okay, what happens to a girl, a, a a developing girl, 12, 13, 14 years old who gets on puberty blockers? What so if she, if she's been on puberty blockers, those are some of the risks and most likely the things that will happen to her. I'm not sure what will happen to her genitals. I haven't heard specifically. What I have heard about girls, I've heard more about what happens to them when they're put on testosterone, okay. which is what they'll usually be put on around the age 13, 14 years old. Okay. And um, I mean, so many different things. It's The list goes on and on. But um, one of the things that that I think is the most common among everyone I've heard that's been on testosterone that's willing to be honest about it is there is atrophy of their, basically their vagina and their reproductive system. And so that obviously impacts your sexual function, but it also just impacts your ability to urinate, like your urinary tract uh, system gets uh, messed up and you're, you're having pain or you have to frequently urinate. So like, they're kind of like old ladies that have to urinate all the time or need like, you know, just have struggle, that kind of struggle. Um, they also, go, the very common thing I hear among most of the girls is they end up going through early menopause. So you have girls that have been on testosterone for a couple of years. And then when they turn 18, 19 years old, if they've been on testosterone for a few years, they have symptoms of early menopause, meaning they end up having like hot flashes and they end oh. up having um, like, dryness in their vagina and it's hard for them to have sex and um bleeding in their vagina which is not menopause but that's just another thing um these are not pleasant things and they are um life-changing in terms of quality of life that happen to people so this is the this is the piece that really got me awake to it was i believe there are people out there that do have gender dysphoria meaning they feel really uncomfortable in the skin they're in for whatever reason and that should be explored And I used to believe that perhaps like this might be a solution for certain people. And I'm not sure anymore, simply because now I know the truth about just how damaging this stuff is to the body. Mm. Because, yeah, and I'm now talking to someone who still identifies as transgender, but is suffering so greatly. um, He really she can't function anymore and is stuck at home because she can't walk around. She's so exhausted. The energy level is totally down, has had woken up in the middle of the night feeling like she's had a heart attack and didn't know what to do and was going to go to the hospital, but didn't know where, where to go, who can help. They don't know where to go. Um, oh. It's really serious. I mean, people get blood clots from this. Um, there are so many different things that happen oh, to the body. voices that the girls lose... Mm-hmm. Their voice, it deepens to like a man's voice for life. Yes. And it doesn't go back. So I think people doesn't don't realize that, that these, these changes, the, the hair, the extra hair growth, extra um, hair growth, the, the, the growth of the clitoris and things that are unpleasant, especially if you decide that this isn't the right decision for you, they don't go back after you stop testosterone. You're living with that for life. 
And wow. so, yeah, these are, these are permanent. The other thing I didn't think of, I mean, there's so many things I didn't think of because how could I, is when you're mentioning the voice thing, not only is it just unpleasant because you've sort of lost the voice that you would have had, like your own natural voice, but also for a lot of people, it creates pain and discomfort to the point where it's difficult to talk. Like they probably, they struggle with doing a podcast like this and having a conversation with somebody or to laugh or to cry and express their emotions because they have throat pain from their vocal cords being impacted by the testosterone. Um, so quality of life. And then the the other thing I'm hearing from several of them is that they feel unsafe because they, there's, they've had these nightmares where they wake up and they realize that if they were in danger, they can't scream anymore for help. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So it's like, you can't scream because their voices have been damaged so much that they can't yell. Like if say they were in danger and they needed to scream for help, they can't do it. Um, which is ironic because most people, most, especially the girls like to transition because they felt unsafe in the body of a girl for some reason or another. And so they would want to be a man. They want to have the muscles and and present as a man and be looked at as a man so that they feel safe in society, which ends up being a fallacy. Um, It doesn't work. And then it doesn't work. work. And on top of it, then they, when they need their voice for safety, they don't have it anymore because they, the testosterone has impacted them. It's, it's really sad. Yeah. That's well, and on a spiritual level, that the enemy always wants to steal your voice. Yeah, right. There's a lot of metaphors you can think about. Yeah. People think about the Little Mermaid and how her yeah. voice was taken. Yeah, I was thinking of the Little Mermaid and mm-hmm. yeah, her 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 purpose in life, right, was being stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, and also with reproduction, the fact that a lot of them even take it further into the surgeries. So tell us about that. Yeah, and about the reproduction, even just the the testosterone will make most of them sterile. And same with the estrogen for men, it will make them sterile if they take it long enough. Not 100%, you know, because it depends on how for certain people. But you're sterilizing, basically what we're doing is we're sterilizing a whole group of vulnerable young people. I mean, this is really sick if you think about it. You know, you're taking autistic, 40% of autistic people, telling them that affirming their transgender identity and then sterilizing them. So that's what we're doing. I, I literally cannot imagine them. anything more damaging to a young girl's psyche because when when her prefrontal cortex is developed and being developed at 25 and she wakes up, and she realizes, you know what? I never thought I wanted to have kids, but I do. A lot of them say that. And that's one of their biggest grief grieving is they're grieving their fertility. That some of them don't know if they'll be able to have children or not. And that is their biggest regret because now a lot of the people that have come around and decided they no longer want to be transgender. Their biggest wish in life is to become a mom or become a dad. So it's really sad. It's it. What's so sad about it is that it starts with this influx of media images and flags and identities and all of this stuff coming through Netflix and everything else to innocent children who then latch onto it in their formative years. And then they have lifelong consequences. So. Tell me about the surgeries. I'll tell you, I saw one that was the most sickening thing I have ever seen. And it was a teenage girl with double mastectomy. Um, 
dancing around with her uterus in a jar. Oh, I haven't seen that one. In a jar. And oh. I was so sickened that this is that we are that this is legal in this country oh. for doctors to actually take off the healthy breasts and and take out the healthy uterus, give a hysterectomy yeah. to a healthy girl who's under the age of, you know, 21. It's crazy. So even minors, they're doing it to minors. Um, these surgeries are barbaric. I don't know how else to describe them. Um, the, the top surgery, what they call it that it's a euphemism for a double mastectomy, you know, removal of the breast. Um, yeah, for it, first of all, it doesn't always go well. And there's a lot of issues with like the nipples and not the nipples. And um, I don't know, I, I it's awful. And then a lot of people end up with pain or numbness and side oh. effects. So it's not just about like aesthetics or like, oh, and obviously the obvious side effect is that they're not going to be able to breastfeed or have function of their breasts because they're gone. But in addition to that, a lot of them experience pain or a lot of numbness or like nerve type um, symptoms because of the surgery and the incisions, because it's large incisions across their chests. Right. Um, this one trans person describes if someone puts too much pressure on the chest, then there's like these muscle spasms like that, that happen and it's really uncomfortable. So, and there, it, depending on who you get it done, I mean, things go wrong in surgeries. There's a lot of risk in surgery and this is an unnecessary one. Um, right. The, what they call bottom surgeries to me are the most barbaric. And I honestly, it's hard for me to even think about them too much. And right. I, when I see images online, I like try to scroll past really quick because I like, I can't still can't really tolerate it right. um, for the, for the girls. They, what they do is they graft skin from your arm, like from your wrist over here um, below your hand. Okay. Um, I'm really like petite and thin. They wouldn't be able to get enough from me. I don't know. What, I think they would take from a leg if someone is too petite. And then they make for so that first of all, that creates a lot of pain and disability in the arm and the hand. Some people end up losing their hand, quite frankly. Abigail Schreier talked about somebody who had that situation. Wow. Um, Scott Nugent, who still sort of identifies as a trans man, but has a lot of regrets, has been very open about having a lot of pain and suffering in his arm mm -hmm. and actually posted this one picture of his hand, like really swollen. And it was, it was actually really hard for me to look at. And I, I met him in person. I know him and um, feel connected to him. So it was really hard for me to see. Mm. Um, and it really hit home for me and made me realize, wow, this is what we're doing to children. So just the arm, right? So we're not even talking about what they do below. And so then they right. take that skin and then they somehow graft this sort of fake penis down there. And then what happens for a lot of people, and Scott has talked about this, is there are a lot of complications with infections. And so they end up with, a, Scott is struggling with like a life of infections as a result of this, like constantly right. having fevers and such. Um, and then of course you can't have sexual pleasure. There's no, it's not a working penis. It it's not, yeah. it doesn't work. So this is like a cosmetic surgery that just, I believe the way he described it, it has like an over 60%. Or I think it's more than that, uh, complication rate. I mean, these are experimental surgeries and when people get those surgeries, they're signing their life away. Wow. And they're really what they're, the people who are willing to do this are people who are really in a desperate place mentally. And they're, be, I think they're being preyed on by money hungry surgeons is the way I see it.
Yeah, I connected with a uh, a 25-year-old girl who who had had the bottom surgery. She'd had the double mastectomy, she'd been on the puberty blockers, the hormone, you know, the whole thing and um and had that bottom surgery and she has um, mutilated her entire body and it all happened before she was 25 years old. <laughs> and how is she doing now mentally? She's you? doing terrible. I exactly. mean, it's suicidal, it's depression, it's anxiety, it's fears, it's overwhelm, um, a ton of grief yeah. and a ton of regret. So why are we speaking out about this, Pamela? What is at stake here? Oh my God. I mean, not only these children, I mean, these children that we love and we care about, but I mean, even on a bigger scale, and this is our country, this is the world, this is, this is about truth, this is about the family structure, this is, there's so many different pieces to this, on as why this is so important. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely, it has to do with the destruction of the family. Which that and the idea that we are sterilizing children in our own country, you know, the original feminists spoke out against female genital mutilation in uh, China and Africa. And that was one of the first waves of the feminist movement in which women were standing up and protecting innocent girls from genital mutilation and Right now, most radical feminists are silent. They're even complicit or supportive of this. But if you are a woman who cares about this generation of children, it's time to open your eyes to what is happening to the kids. And when someone doesn't want to affirm this in the beginning, it's because they understand the end. Mm -hmm. They understand the end. And Absolutely. so um, what would be your advice, your final words, Pamela, to a, a mother or a grandmother or an aunt? I can't tell you every event I go and speak at. I have women come up and telling me, I have a niece, I have a nephew, my daughter's sister, my, you know, it's everybody seems to have someone who has, has been transformed by this movement who we love and we want to help. So if, if you were speaking to a grandma or a mom or an aunt, what would you say if to one has, has a child like this in their family, who's deeply, deeply loved yeah. I mean, I think the biggest it's, first of all, it's honestly, it's difficult. That's the one right. thing and to kind of just give yourself a little um, slack for how hard that is. If there's someone you really love, who's stuck in this uh, mindset, but um, I think what people need to realize, and I'm not sure if people are struggling with this, who's struggling with this is that, they need to just speak their mind, meaning not affirm their child, 
not worry so much about the child's rejection of them Mm -hmm. and think about what is best for the child. Meaning the child can't lead the, they can't lead the effort. Like to remember we're the adults. And I think that is the thing we all need to remember that we're the adults and the kids might end up hating us for a while, but in the end, it will help that child. In fact, there's a Breitbart article out today on April, what is today? <laughs> April 11th. April 11th, we're recording this, yeah. Yeah, where a mom who got her child out of the cult, she said that specific thing. She said, I thought my child was going to hate me forever, but I did what I had to do because I wanted my child to grow up with her body intact. So she got her child out of the school she was at. She got her child away from the cell phones. And so she did what she had to do and didn't give up. So, I mean, that, I think that's the, the most important thing is to not worry about them rejecting you and to think about what is what you believe, what you truly believe is best for the child mm. and to trust your own gut and trust your instincts because mm. unfortunately... The professionals and the people who we all believed were experts and knew what they were talking about aren't always going to do and say the right thing. So to question authority, to question things when they don't feel right to you. So if if a, a doctor or therapist says... If you don't affirm your child, your child will kill themselves. Um, that's something to question because nobody has a magic ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And that is also a very manipulative statement to make mm-hmm. and not a very professional statement to make. Yet it's being said all across the country and even outside of the country. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I think the American Institute of Pediatrics, there's a there's an organization. In fact, I'll link to uh, their information about this in the show notes, but they describe it as emotional blackmail. Yes, that's how I describe it, too. That's what exactly what it is. I mean, that's what people who have borderline personality disorder do. The people who can't regulate their emotions, mm. they use suicide as a threat to get what they want, to get that short term relief, mm. uh, to relieve their whatever they're feeling, that emptiness. And we've always, as therapists, taught people that that's not going to get you what you need in the long term. It's just going to leave you more empty and more alone in the future because you're making these empty threats. Exactly. And so, um, and the role of a therapist in, in, in my view is like, you, like we've talked about in the last two episodes is to address the underlying, underlying causes and to help that child come to peace with the body that they were born in. That's it. Yeah. And it, it's really a healthy, it's really, it's one way or the other, either we're going to find peace within the skin that we're in right? Whether you have diabetes, whether you have gender dysphoria, whether you have, you know, any other thing, the goal would be to find peace in, in the way that God created you. Or the other road is the path of becoming basically a lifelong medical patient through these drugs and surgeries, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, no, I forgot what I was going to say. But yes, exactly. This this is just we have to recognize what this means. Yeah, so. and it it is. It's a life or death. 
you know, if you really, if you really, and I, I used to tell girls this uh, when I was mentoring them, but why don't we walk down this road for a long time and see where it's going to lead? Let's walk all the way down the road of bulimia and see where we end up at, you know, 35, 38 years old, right? Or let's walk all the way down the road to sleeping around with whoever. <laughs> where do you end up, you know? Yeah. And and let's walk all the way down this road where you choose life and you choose dignity of your body and the sanctity of your body. And uh, you treat your body as if it's holy. Where is that road, going to lead. And what happens is, is it leads to life. Exactly. It leads to being able to uh, procreate and have babies and have a fulfilling life. And you, Just have, be healthy. you don't have, I mean, life is hard enough to do it without a mutilated body. But I just remember what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> what I think what's really important is parents, especially, I think what's what's happening the dynamic is happening often is that the child for one reason or another and it might be imagined or it might be real is looking for it to be seen um oftentimes this happens when there's something happening in a family maybe somebody is there's actually a a family where the mom was just going through a cancer diagnosis and it's not because she was a bad mom she was going through an illness and so the daughter's needs got a little bit left behind. And then she fell into the transgender thing because the counselors tra transitioned her behind the family's back, right? So, but it's you, oftentimes it's about looking for somebody to be seen in some shape or form. Mm -hmm. So my advice is to really put your own phone down and to think about how much time, how much quality time and how present you are with your children and to really be intentional about being present with your child and um, giving them that attention that they need. And it might be a lot. You might already be giving them a lot of attention, mm -hmm. um, but figuring that out and figuring out what is the underlying issue because there is always something. So right. that's what it is. Like if, it's usually a family going through something like mm -hmm. a divorce or just right. or a change of some kind, a transition, right. and that's hard for the child. Sure. Um, or maybe that maybe a sibling is getting more attention than the other child. And so this is a way for, to be seen. So right. th these are just different things to think about. Every family and situation is different. But for the families out there that are struggling with this, to step back and really be honest with what's going on with your family. This isn't about blaming. This is about just recognizing what's really happening mm. and and get those things addressed so that your child can get their needs met. I love that. I love that because it's, it requires a lot of honesty yeah. um, and bravery on the part of the adults to say, okay, what, what's happening in our family that our child is crying out? Exactly. You know, and that is, um, that's something that we all can experience in, in a variety of ways. I know there was seasons where I felt my daughter was crying out over other things that I had to pay attention to. Um, but I think the other thing too, is just to remember that, you know, God never heals a person outside in, you know, when these external things change your hair, change your dress. And now we're going to go through every single phase as kids that we want to go through. Um, and Christina Boudreaux, who came out of, um, the same sex attraction, she talks about this on the podcast a few weeks ago. But that to affirm the child for who they are 
And who they are is so far beyond their sexual preferences and so far beyond this transgender identity that is being put offered as a menu of choices. The, the child is, is, is known, is loved, is seen, is precious, is valuable, is sacred. The child is gifted. The child is talented. The child has so, and has issues that need to be addressed, which I'm really glad that you brought that today, um, Pamela, to the forefront, is that the danger of this affirmation therapy is that we don't actually look at what is causing the child to have this confusion or to be suffering in any way. Yeah, that's it. So and where can our uh, guests find you? Um, they can find me, at, like you said earlier, on my Instagram, which is the dot truthful therapist. Okay. I have a website that actually is an online um, parent's guide to mental health. It has a whole section on gender dysphoria, which just talks about all of these influences and has suggestions and even some suggested sort of scripts or things people can say to fight some of these narratives and how you can things to say when someone requests you to use pronouns, um, both for ch children and for adults, things you can say if someone does make that suicide threat you know, to ask for the studies, all these different things to empower parents so that they're not intimidated by all of these one-liner narratives. Um, so that's my website, thetruthfultherapist.org. Okay. Um, I have a substack, which is Pam, the truthful therapist. Okay. Substack. <laughs> and then I I'm on Twitter as, I think I'm going to change this handle, but it's still Renpilled LCSW, Licensed okay. Clinical Social Worker. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're you're just the truthful therapist, Pamela. You've got to you've got to keep that across the board. I, it didn't uh, fit. That was the reason yes. it didn't fit. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and put all those links in the show notes. I really encourage you guys go to go to her website and get this parent's guide to mental health, even just to read it for the young people uh, in your life or the people that you might, you might be reaching and follow Pamela on Instagram because she's going to keep you very, very up to date in this war against our children, against this mutilation that is happening to the kids. And that is why women like me and women like Pamela, and I'm hoping women like you who are listening, are going to take a stand on behalf of these kids. All right. Thanks so much for joining me today, Pamela. I Thank loved you. having you on. And I just want to say one thing too. I do offer consultations for people oh. if they have individual questions, if they just want to know, they want to kind of pick my brain or they want to know what if their therapist their child is seeing is doing something appropriate inappropriate or if they're looking for specific answers to questions I can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them and they can book a consultation through my website I love that. That is so good that you're offering that because it gives you that privacy that's not on social media. So share Pamela's information with all the people you know and just remember I am a woman and my name means life. Thanks for joining us today. 